0: Again, let me say welcome uh, to Horizon West Church. This church was started three years ago, just over three years ago, as a campus of First Baptist Orlando. Some of you know that, some of you don't. But uh, we want to um, recognize that last week was the 150 year, and, and those aren't typos. I know you're like, really 150? No, 150 years ago that First Baptist Orlando was planted right here in in Central Florida, and we're an extension of that. Uh, We're also made up of people from a lot of different places and locations and denominations, including uh, a beautiful thing that God did earlier this year when Oasis Church and Horizon West Church merged together uh, to become one congregation. And so uh, we want to take a brief second and just acknowledge that we're standing on the shoulders of some other people uh, who helped us to get where we are. But primarily today, we want to turn our attention forward to what God has for us Next, and we're so excited to do just that. The truth is that God is a God of movement, He's a God of action, and we know that even from the opening page of the Bible. You know, the very first words of the Bible are in the beginning God what? He created, He moved, He he created action, He, He did something. And God has moved all through the pages of Scripture and all through history. He was on the move in Genesis. Creating the world. He was on on the move in the book of Exodus, leading his people out of captivity. He was on the move in the Gospels when the God man Jesus showed up to bring healing and redemption to humanity. And then he was on the move all through the book of Acts, which tells the story of the first church and the way that it spread the good news of Jesus all over the known world in spite of persecution and hardship. God was on the move in the centuries since then, and God is in the move right here in Horizon West and through Horizon West Church in 2021. Moving is something that my family did last year. We were 10 years in Metro West. um, And once God called us to be part of this campus of, of Horizon West, we began praying, Lord, would you open a door for us to live in Horizon West? And so last December, that door finally opened. God moved our family to the Summerport community. Any of you in the room that live in that neighborhood? I know some of you do. I'm looking at you. That's been a wonderful uh, place for us as a family, um, the parks, the neighbors, everything's been wonderful. But to be honest with you, when we first moved into our, neighbor, into our home, one of our children didn't love it. <laughs> and she kept going, I, I just miss the old house, I just miss the old neighborhood. This new place was unfamiliar, it was, it was different. But over the next weeks and months, God began to cultivate a a new vision for what it would look like to be a family living in Summerport. And we began to meet new neighbors, and we began to, to do new things in the home and create new memories. And all of a sudden, it started to feel a little more like home to us. And I tell you that because as we move into a new space at Horizon High School, we're excited and there is a vision to it, but for some of you, that might feel a little different, a little unfamiliar, the drive was a little further. And I would just encourage you and invite you, would you walk with us into the new things God wants to do in this new location that he has planted us in. We are a a family on mission, Horizon West Church, and being on mission means that sometimes you move. And so this morning, what I wanna do is I wanna take you to a place where God was on the move with his people in the book of Exodus. If you've got a Bible, it's the second book of the Bible, so Genesis, Exodus, we're also going to have all the scriptures from that passage uh, on the screen behind me, so you're okay if you, if you need to rely on that this morning as well. And I want to give you a little bit of context. Uh, the, the book of Exodus is a lot of chapters, 40 chapters, but basically what it's doing is telling the story of how God's people, who had been slaves in Egypt for 400 years, are now exodus-ing, exiting out of Egypt and making their way toward the Promised Land. The situation for God's people of that time is that no one had a great grandparent who had a great grandparent who had a great grandparent that could tell them anything about freedom. All they had known for 12 or more generations was captivity. And then all of a sudden, God moved. A man named Moses, who is a shepherd in the, in the wilderness, he, he, he sees a bush on fire. Some of you know the story. The bush is burning but not consumed, and God introduces himself to Moses. He says, Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh. Yes, the Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, the most powerful man in the world, and I want you to tell him to let my people go. And Moses asks a, a, an honest and a humble question. He says, God, who should I say sent me? Moses is thinking, man, if I show up in the courts of Pharaoh and go, Hey, you gotta let these people go, like that's not gonna go well for me. So which of the gods, in other words, are you? And God answers him, he says, Moses, you can tell Pharaoh that I am. In other words, I'm the only God who is. Moses being raised in Egypt in the the palace of the Pharaoh, he's thinking, are you the God of fertility? Are you the God of war? Are you the God of rain? Like, which God are you? And God says, I'm the only one that actually exists. I am. And so Moses goes and after a long struggle, a back and forth with the Pharaoh, eventually the people are released from Egypt and then they lived happily ever after. (laughs) No, they did not, right? Right? It began a long, a long journey of walking with God and learning from God. And the truth is, it's a lot like the journey that we have. You go, man, once I got saved, everything went perfect in my life, right? No, that's not how that goes, unfortunately. Hardships and loss and something that theologians call sanctification, the process of, of being made more like Jesus. It's painful and it's hard, and yet God is moving all through it. So today I want to give us four principles of movement that are true in every movement both in the Bible and in the present day. Four principles of movement. And Before I do that, cheap and quick plug for movement student ministry. Our, our student ministry, our 6th to 12th grade ministry is called movement. If you've got a student or you are a student in that age, at this service only, our 11 o'clock service, we have an opportunity for those students. Uh, if they wanted to take part in that and uh, that's in our kids and student area Great leaders over there and great volunteers, so movement, 11 o'clock Sundays and also on Wednesday evenings uh, at 6.30. So with that, let me do this. We're going to begin a series today over the next five weeks and we're calling the series Forward, Forward. You might ask yourself, well, what are the stories of the Exodus, something that happened thousands of years ago, what do they have to do with my life here and now? And the answer to that comes from the Apostle Paul in 1 1 Corinthians. He says in 1 Corinthians ten eleven. he says, These things uh, happened uh, as examples and they were written down for us so that we might not make the same mistakes that the people made then. I, I'm paraphrasing that. You saw it behind me. So, so in other words, what does that have to do? Well, well the scripture is going to say, look, these things are written down as cautionary tales so that when we come to a similar place, we don't make the same mistakes that the people in the book of Exodus are going to make. So with that, let us go to Exodus chapter 14. I'm going to read these first few verses of the passage, verse 10 through 12. Here it is. Now when Pharaoh drew near to the people, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? what have you done to us in bringing us out of egypt is is this not what we said to you in egypt leave us alone that we may serve the egyptians for it would have been better for us to serve the egyptians than to die in the wilderness i want to show you a, a quick map of egypt just because it'll help us to kind of get some context that what looked like kind of bunny ears at the top there is the top of the red sea largest body of water in that region and just to the west of the very tip top of that left corner there, you see a city called Memphis. Memphis is a little south of Cairo, but at the time, Memphis was the capital of Egypt. So this is where Pharaoh lived, and this is where more than likely the people of God spent a lot of time walking in Memphis. That went, that went better at the first service. It's a song. You can Google it after, afterward. They were walking in Memphis. So, so th- this is where they're coming from, and you'll notice they're basically going due east, and what happens is they hit the tip top of the Red Sea, but don't make any mistake about it. Just because they're at the top of the Red Sea doesn't mean they can go around it. We're talking about miles and miles and thousands and thousands of people, including children. There, there, there's no way for them, so they come to the Red Sea and they're stuck. Principle number one of movement is that the start is risky the start is risky notice what the people say to Moses they say in verse 13 Moses it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians let me translate that for us we weren't free but at least we were alive can I tell you that you begin to die the moment you trade your freedom for the promise of survival God has not made us merely to survive. God has made us free. Galatians says that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And so here God had brought them out of Egypt, and yet the people are going, we'd like to go back, Moses. In fact, in just two verses, they're going to say five times, Egypt, Egypt, Egyptians, Egypt, Egyptians. God wants to move them, but all they can think about is what it was like before. The truth is this morning that it is safer not to move. It's safer not to take the gospel to unreached people groups in remote corners of the world. In fact, David Platt said that the reason there are still unreached people in the world is that all the easy ones have been taken. Right? Because it's just easier not to go and risk my life or to learn a foreign language or to take the gospel where it's not been. It's easier not to encourage your children to make friends with people that have different belief systems or worldviews. It's easier not to stick to your convictions at work when just a little bit of compromise would really go a long way with your boss. It's easier not to invest in the life of a troubled child or teenager. It's easier not to protest justice, uh, rather injustice. Easier not to speak out for truth. Easier not to f- defend life. But God has not called us to the easy path. The truth is that we value the rewards of movement But most people are afraid to accept the risks of it. We go, man, it's really cool when God shows up, when people move. But the fact is that it's risky and most people are unwilling to take the risk just as they were standing on the edge of the the Red Sea in Exodus 14. And then notice what Moses, Moses says in verse 13. Exodus 14, verse 13. Then Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm. And see the salvation of the Lord, which He will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. This, I believe, is one of the the great leadership statements in all of the Bible. Now, Moses had his issues. He wasn't a great organizer. Uh, He sometimes complained. In fact, in a couple prominent places, he disobeyed the Lord. But here in this space, Moses rises to the challenge of leadership and basically says to the people, be quiet. Stop shaking in your boots. In fact, the, the way that the idea is kind of teased out in the original Hebrew, he says to them, hold your peace. Any of you remember in the old days when at weddings, somebody would say, hey, if anybody has a reason that this couple should not wed, speak now or forever, hold your peace. Really glad we've done away with that, Right? It's like, you should have spoken up six months ago. This is not the time. And Moses is saying, look, if you didn't want to come, but he says now, hold your peace. And and it's not just be silent. I think he's saying literally, Israelites, hold on to your peace. Hold on to the one who is peace. But why could Moses be so confident when everybody else was so afraid? It's not just that he was the leader We see terrible leadership in all spheres of modern life, right? Leaders don't always rise to the challenge, but here Moses does, and I have a theory as to why. I think in that moment that Moses recalled years earlier, when out of a burning bush, the voice of the Lord spoke and said, Moses, go and tell the Pharaoh to release my people. And Moses knew that it was not he who had brought them to the edge of the Red Sea, but rather God leading him and the people. And he knew if God had brought him to it, then God would bring them through it. That becomes cliche, but it is so true and it is so important that we hold on to that. If God called you to your workplace and you remember that it was him, hang on to that. If you're married, then you made vows. You can recall a time when when the Lord put you and your spouse together. And yes, the way is going to get hard, but hold on to the remembrance of the calling that God had on your life then and still has now. It's going to be hard doing ministry in Horizon West. There aren't a lot of people coming out of their houses going, hey, would somebody go find a preacher for me? (laughs) Somebody go find me a church. No, we're going to have to be a presence in the community. We're going to have to work hard. We're going to have to find ways to engage the community. The start's going to be risky. But we're going to hang on to the fact that God has called us to it. Look at verse 15 of Exodus 14 with me. Verse 15. And then the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to what? Go forward. Go forward. Go forward. Now, let me again just paint the scenario for you in case you have forgotten. The Israelites are standing on the edge of the Red Sea. That is what is in front of them and all around them. And behind them, the Egyptian army is bearing down because Pharaoh went, yeah, I said you could go, but I've changed my mind. Most powerful army in the the world at the time. Chariots, horses. And so they're seeing the Red Sea in front of them. They're hearing the Egyptian army bear down behind them. And there's no way forward. Here's the question. What do we do when every direction we turn looks like death? In full transparency, this last couple of years has been really tough to be a leader, (laughs) to lead an organization. Many of you are in similar situations. Leading a school, leading a business, even leading a family, leading a church, whatever it is. Because we've had to wrestle with questions where the answers just didn't look that obvious and either way we turned, we were going to get backlash. That's just the reality. Do we shut down the church or do we remain open in spite of the risks? Do we speak to this polarizing issue in our culture but to remain silent could be not speaking out for justice? Do we risk losing an individual or a family because we've got to make a hard decision to move and I know they're not going to go with us. Here's the second principle of movement. The way is forward. The way is forward. Now we have examples of this in the natural world, in natural movement, right? Like which way do you typically walk as you're walking? Do you walk forward or backward? You walk forward, right? Because the way your body is made by God has positioned you with your eyes and your feet and your movement to move forward easily, but to move backward is difficult and can be dangerous, The same is true of time. Time doesn't go backward. It only moves forward. If you were out on the 429 today and you were driving at 80 or maybe you're not like me, you drive at 70 miles an hour and there's somebody in the lane next to you and they've got their vehicle in reverse and they're trying to keep up with you, you'd be like, this is terrifying. Because movement backward doesn't make sense. Movement backward is dangerous. God has designed the world to move forward. And could it be that he's designed it that way in the natural world to reflect a spiritual truth and principle. Friends, God's way is never backward. The way is always forward. The Israelite people are are, are clamoring to go back to Egypt, and they say to Moses, interestingly enough, they say, let us go back and serve the Egyptians. But here's what they didn't understand. And this is true of any time we try to move backward in life to go back to Egypt would not have been for the people of God servitude. It would have been slaughter. Egyptian army wasn't bearing down on them to say, hey, and you guys come back and live in the land again. They were coming to destroy the people of God. And one of the things our enemy will do is he'll, he'll paint really pretty pictures in your mind of the way that things were in that past relationship. That past job in that past church, and that past situation, let's only remember the good. But to turn back and go back would bring death into your life and into the life of your family. Don't go backward. With God, the way is forward. Go back again to Exodus 14, verses 16 to 18. Moses, uh, God, rather, continuing to speak to Moses, says, Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go, go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and over his army, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Two times this phrase is repeated. If you're the kind of person that likes to underline things in your Bible, I want to encourage you to underline this. Glory over Pharaoh. Because that's what this whole thing is about. You need to understand something about the Egyptian uh, belief system of that time. You know, we, we have a president, a lot of countries have a prime minister or a king, some type of a ruler. The Pharaoh of Egypt was not simply the ruler of Egypt, he, he wasn't just like the leading man of Egypt. To the Egyptian mindset, to the Egyptian belief system, Pharaoh was more than a man, he was a god. And they deified him and worshipped him as such. Which means that the battle that's taking place in Exodus is not the stage of a man named Moses and a man titled Pharaoh locking horns. What it is is a God who is the I am locking horns with one who is not a God named Pharaoh. And God says, this whole thing is happening so that I can get glory over Pharaoh. So that no one in Egypt or in Israel or anywhere in the world gets it twisted or gets it wrong, that there is one God who sits on the throne of heaven and there is none other beside him. You need to know that when God enters the ring, he doesn't lose. (laughs) And that's why Moses could trust in his deliverance with his feet wet in a red sea that should have drowned them. It's why David could run confidently to the battlefield to face a giant named Goliath because David said this, he said, you have defied the armies of the living God. David wasn't fighting a battle between him and Goliath. David was fighting the battle that God had called him to, to gain victory over the Philistine army. And it's the reason that Jesus could go to the cross. Because with God, death is followed by resurrection. Struggle is followed by victory. Captivity is followed by deliverance. When God moves, he wins the battle, and he always does it for the same reason. Principle number three of movement the goal is glory, the goal is glory. Not, not self glory, right? But it's the glory of God. Uh, some people bristle at this a little bit, the idea of what is called in theological circles God's self-glorification. See, if we exalt ourselves, it's called what? It's called arrogance or pride or maybe just stupidity in my case and many of it, but like, exalting. But God is self-exalting. So is that a a bad thing? Is that something we can accept? Well, here's how I would illustrate this for you. I have no problem with the sun being the center of the solar system. Like, I don't wanna trade it out for any of the planets, right? No other star. Because the sun sits at the center of the solar system, it gives the right amount of heat and light to planet Earth, and as the planets rotate in movement around it, the sun is exactly where it needs to be. It would not be humble... It would not be godlike of God to abdicate his place at the center of the universe. Go, hey, I'll let somebody else have a turn. No, 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 no. It would throw our universe out of whack. And so I'm okay with the sun being the center. And I'm okay with God alone being glorified, because when God is glorified, it is good for us. We are not in competition with God. In fact, the glory of God and the good of people are inextricably linked. To do one is to do the other. And so what happens next is Moses steps into the Red Sea, he raises his staff, the waters part, and if you've seen the Prince of Egypt or one of the other uh, renditions of this, you can picture this, a wall of water on each side of this giant, enormous Red Sea, and the Israelites are hustling through on dry ground. And the moment the last of them gets to the other side of the Red Sea, you remember what happens. (sighs) The waters cover up and, and annihilate the Egyptian army. Let me ask this question. Why did God bring the people to the Red Sea? Like, if they had gone a little bit north and taken a better angle, they could have just avoided it. But here's the problem Some people will say, well, you know, he wanted to stretch their faith, he wanted to reveal himself. Yes, all of those things are true as well. But you know what God was able to accomplish by bringing them to the Red Sea? That's the place that he destroyed their enemies. There needed to be a place where where God could gain victory over the Egyptians and the Red Sea was the place, which means this, that what looked like the place of destruction for them was actually the place of their deliverance. Look at the last two verses of Exodus chapter 14. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. And Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant, Moses. Here's the final principle of movement the end is victory. The end is victory. In full transparency, the darkest points of my own spiritual journey and my life in general have been times when I've questioned the outcome. I go, God, I have have struggled with this sin for years and years. And I don't know that I'm ever really going to be free. I I don't know that this sin isn't going to be the thing that kills me. Or or, or God, I don't know if I have the strength to remain faithful as a husband and a father, not just for a few more years, but for decades to the end of my life, being a faithful husband and father. God, I, I don't know if I'm capable of leading a healthy and growing church And when we question the outcome, the enemy can twist that and use it to destroy our faith. The truth is that with God, the end is always victory. It's why the Apostle Paul, in a Roman jail cell in the first century, writing to the church at Philippi, he said this. And he was chained. He's got somebody writing it for him. The churches that he's writing to are all facing persecution. People are being killed. People are being hauled off to prison. Some are abandoning their faith. And Paul writes this in Philippians 1.6. He says, I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ. Paul says, look, I know the outcome of faith. It is victory. Faith leads to faithfulness, and the one who began the work is going to finish it in you. So friends, the very thing that is threatening your marriage Maybe that's the thing God wants to use to bring you deliverance. The very conversation that you're avoiding having at work, maybe that's the conversation that will unlock the victory. Or or maybe that sin that you're so terrified to confess, you go, man, there's no way I could ever tell another person this. That can be the place where God meets you and brings deliverance. He doesn't bring us to the Red Sea moment to destroy us. He brings us there to deliver us. Let me ask one final question. What does all of this mean for us as a church? I've talked mostly about individual application. We're we're all in relationships. We're all in neighborhoods. We're, We're all working jobs. Like that's all important. But what does it mean for us as a gathered people called Horizon West Church? Well, we are a people in transition as they were in the book of Exodus Our journey as a Horizon West campus began in the fall of uh, 2018. Some of you were part of that when we opened the doors of Sundridge Middle School and became a church. And then just a year and a half later, we went through, along with the rest of the world, the COVID shutdown. And and we had to do online-only services for six months. And then in the fall of 2020, our partnership and friendship with Oasis Church allowed us to then begin meeting on Saturday nights at their campus And we started sharing preaching duties, myself and William and Shiloh. And we started sharing worship team members and sharing volunteers. And and then William initiated with me within just a couple months, said, hey, what about us merging our two two churches together? And that happened in April of this year. And then just six months after that, here we are moving into a new space, into a new room, into a new community. We are a people on the move. And I want to give you some vision for what I see God doing in the weeks and the months and perhaps years that follow. I envision this auditorium being filled with worshipers and filled with people who are interested in joining us on the journey and the mission that God has for us. I envision dozens or even hundreds of people being saved in this room and on this campus and coming to be baptized on a Sunday morning. In fact, next week we've got some folks who are going to be baptized right here in this room next Sunday. I envision hundreds of people finding hope and healing not only on Sundays but through our Celebrate Recovery ministry that meets on Monday nights. I envision our student and kids spaces overflowing with children and students who are learning of God's great love for them and the purpose that he has made them for. I envision our church helping to lay a spiritual foundation for a new community called Horizon West a community still trying to discover itself and and forge an identity and God has called us here for this unique time and in this unique place to lay a spiritual foundation and to champion transformation in the lives of people. And I envision in the not too distant future God providing a forever home for us, a permanent location right here in the heart of Horizon West where 7 days a week we can open our doors to receive the community and be a bastion of hope and of light of the gospel. And some of this is even happening immediately. Let me share a few things I'm super excited about that are just around the corner. We just in the last month created a partnership with Commission 127, a ministry that comes alongside foster and adoptive families right here in Horizon West. And as those families have needs, material or otherwise, they're beginning to let our church know what those needs are and allowing us the opportunity to be the church in Horizon West that hears about those needs and that meets them. That's called Care Portal. You're going to hear about it more in the weeks ahead. In a few more weeks, we're going to be sponsoring the Flavor Fest, sponsoring a booth rather at the Flavor Fest, we're going to be able to show up with our Horizon West Church t shirts and information and, and meet the community, kind of introduce ourselves there, as well as engage with individuals and families that come to that event. And on November 3rd, just a few weeks away, something that Mrs. Laura Busey, who I introduced you to earlier in the service, the principal of Horizon High School, something that she asked in our initial phone call, she said, Would you be willing to help us bring the Fellowship of Christian Athletes to this school. I said, We would love to do that. On November 3rd, on a Wednesday, we are helping to open the very first chapter of FCA at Horizon High School. And friends, what we're doing is we're laying seeds. <laughs> we have no idea what is going to come of that. We don't have any idea of what God could do. The Word says that He can do immeasurably more than anything we could ask or imagine if we would simply say, I'm in, if we would move forward with the vision that God has for us and so I want to close in this way over the last several weeks many of you have texted the words I'm in to let us know you want to volunteer you want to join a group you want to be a partner in what God is doing if you've not yet done that and you would like to if you would text the words I'm in to 40777 that'll give us a chance to show you where a place for you to join a group or a serve team could be and we believe that this is the perfect time to say I'm into what God is doing at Horizon West Church. I've asked Justin and the team to close with a song. I don't often make a specific request, but there's a song that I think so perfectly illustrates what God did for a people in Exodus at the foot of the Red Sea. And I believe it's what God wants to do in our lives as well through Horizon West Church to be the way maker to open wide the doors for us to walk in his favor in this community and to see lives transformed in Jesus' name. Would you pray with me before we sing? Father God, we are here because you've called us, you've invited us. And God, we know there's gonna be mountain times, there's gonna be valley times, there's gonna be Red Sea moments, and Lord, would you just help us to get our feet wet, to step into the moment and to watch you do what only you can do. You are the way maker the promise keeper. God, would you deliver in ways that go beyond anything we could imagine in the days ahead? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service time, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.